Okay. Morning, team. How are we? All I mean by that is I want you to say, I'm good, thank you. That's all I mean. Okay, we don't need a, we don't need a group sort of, oh, actually. Uh, anyway, um, maybe not so good. Somebody's left a car window open. ASU, that is Alpha Sierra Uniform. Yes, I'm a pastor. I know the phonetic alphabet. ASU 272. If that is you, you may want to go and wind your window up. Uh, there we go. So this morning, brand new series called Brand New. I'm hoping, genuinely hoping, that this is something that every single one of us can relate to, whether it's a new pair of kicks. You know, you get those old trainers that just nothing, nothing is ever clean about them. They're so scuffed, they're so messed up, there's, there's nothing clean that's ever going to be about them again. And then you get a brand new pair and you think, I'm never messing these up. These are never getting dirty again. I'm never kicking a football again. I'm certainly not going to walk out in the rain in them. These are going to stay brand new forever. And they never do. Because particularly if you're like me, you kick a ball as soon as there's one in front of you. But some of you are like, there's never been a ball in front of me. But anyway, bear with me. What about start of the school year coming up? If you're, if you're in school, who remembers like the first day back at school, brand new exercise books? Like those moments when you open up the feel, oh, the smell of the pages, the feeling of those smooth, clean, unblemished pages. You think, no matter what went on in my old book, no matter how scruffy and torn up it got, this book, this is going to be the the basis of some of my finest work. My neatest handwriting. I'm never going to make a mistake in this fine book again. Sure, you do. But you know that brand new, wonderful feeling. Interesting that we launched this series on New Year's Eve. It's one of those moments where where many of us reflect on the year that's gone by and, and all that has happened. And we look forward to, to the new year. We look forward to this year, to 2018. I wonder what it will hold. Some of you maybe have made New Year's resolutions. Some of you are aiming. It's like no matter how much we've eaten this year, midnight tonight presents a brand new opportunity to eat well. It doesn't matter how unfit you've got. It's like tomorrow I will run again. It doesn't matter how much money you've spent. Tomorrow is a brand new opportunity to start to save. I, I love that brand new, do you know that brand new feeling? You know that cathartic feeling of just leaving the past behind you and heading on into something new. And as we look at these 17 verses, this series, we're just looking at 17 verses, this theme of brand new. I want us to get our heads around this feeling of brand new, this brand new opportunity, this excitement, this expectation over what is to come that should be ours if we truly wrap our heads around what is it is that Jesus Christ has done for us. And as we go through these verses in Colossians, what you'll find is that Paul, who's writing this prison, this letter to the church at Colossae from a prison in Rome, he's writing this letter to them. And, and as he talks about being made brand new, he doesn't use those words, they're my words, but as he uses those words, he, he, he's talking about what it means to be brand new in Jesus Christ. 
And he uses the metaphor of clothing. What is the clothing? What are the things that need to be taken off? What's old? What needs to be gone? And what is? what are we putting on? What are the clothes we're putting on as we step into the new? It's like what he's saying is you've been given this incredible makeover. This, this opportunity to consider what's my style going to be? What am I going to look like? What is going to be distinctive about me as I go forward? And so turn with me, that's going to occupy our minds and our thoughts over the next four weeks. And if you're on holiday, as Jenny says, you can catch up on the app. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. If you don't want to turn there, open your devices. But if nothing else, you can read on the screen. Join me. We're going to read the first 11 verses of chapter 3 of Colossians. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to the earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these uh, ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge, in the image of its creator. Here, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Would you pray with me? God, we want to thank you so much for your word. Thank you, Lord God. I'm not here this morning to share my air, my views. God, thank you for your word, the way you have revealed yourself so powerfully to us. Thank you that ultimately that revelation comes in the wonderful person of Jesus Christ. We adore you this morning. And God, we pray that you would bring light to what is written here today. God, we pray that your word would leap off the pages and fill our minds and fill our hearts. God, that we would live a life worthy of the name Jesus Christ. We pray in your wonderful name. Amen. Come on, show me you're awake. Amen. Amen. Yeah, there we go. Now stay awake. Okay. So Paul begins, since you have been raised with Christ. And these words really form the next 17 verses that we're going to look at over the next uh, uh, four weeks. I was going to say seven, four weeks. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. And to understand that, Paul has just defined that in Colossians 2. And so we're just going to jump back there just momentarily. Verse 11 of chapter 2 says, In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Paul is saying that before Jesus Christ, you didn't just sin, you didn't just get stuff wrong, you were sinners. You had an identity that was sin. You didn't just do wrong stuff, you were by nature in rebellion before God. And to explain this, he takes this uh, example of circumcision, as the guys sort of just like fidget a bit in their seats. Talks about circumcision. Circumcision was the complete cutting off of a piece of skin 
completely separate, never to be joined again. And this cutting off, this complete circular cutting off was a symbol that this guy was now a part of the community of God. This piece of skin was then dead. It was gone. Who knows what happened to that piece of skin? And what what, what, what Paul is saying here is that, that is a really great example that shows you what God has done in your life if you have believed in Jesus. He has taken that old sinful nature, that part of you, that basis of you that was in rebellion before God and he killed it. Jesus nailed it to the cross. It is dead and it is buried and it is never coming back again. And just as Jesus didn't just die but was raised to life again, so in believing in Jesus, you and I are raised to life again. We are made brand new. The old is gone and the new is here. And so the the verb raised in the Greek means fully and finally. You can no more raise the sinful nature, that very basis in your life, any more than you can raise that turkey that was roasted and stuffed on Christmas Day. Or the ham. You can no more raise the sinful nature than you can resurrect that. Only God can raise. And the sinful nature is gone. But the verb also has this passive sense to it. It wasn't good behavior that got you there. It was your trust, your faith in the working of God on your behalf. Since we have been raised with Christ fully, finally, completely, passively, he did it on your behalf. If you believe in Jesus, we are made brand new, cut off from the old with the potential to live a brand new life, free from all of those things that led you to regret and pain and heartache, free from it, like a new school book with pages that have the potential for your finest work. You are made brand new. And since we have been made brand new, there's three things we're going to look at this morning. Uh, in terms of how we now live in light of that. Join me again in verse 1. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. This phrase, set your hearts, a more literal translation of that is set your sights. Set your sights on things above. It means to seek with the intention of finding. It means to focus. It means to aim. It means to strive for. And Paul links this not only with setting your sights on things above, but setting your mind, your your wisdom, your understanding on things above. Now in the Bible, you can set your sights on all sorts of things. You can set your sights on material wealth and possessions and money and things. You can focus on that. You can strive to please yourself, doing anything and everything that satisfies all that you desire. You you can even focus on, strive for, set your sights on praise from people, allowing your value into the hands of somebody else and saying, as long as you affirm me, as long as you approve me, then I'm all right. You can set your sights on all of those things, but just as, just as you were of the earthly nature and now your life is hidden with Christ in God, so those setting your sights in that way is setting your sights on the things that the earthly nature loved. They're earthly things. And we're to turn in believing in Jesus and set our sights on things above, more specifically where Christ is seated 
at the right hand of God. The right hand of God is this significant place. It's the place where the risen, resurrected, ascended Lord Jesus Christ sits in supremacy and in power. It's the place where Jesus sits and talks to the Father about you. The Bible says he intercedes for us before the Father at the right hand of God. Hey, hey, remember Dave. Remember Simon. Remember these, remember these precious people, God. He's interceding before you at the right hand of God. And it's also the place from which Jesus Christ pours out the promised Holy Spirit. The power and the presence of God in and through you and in and through the church. It's a significant place. And though in believing in Jesus, your life from the outside might not look a whole bit different. The reality is that your life, the substance of your life is hidden in that place. And so no matter how defeated you might feel, Christ is victorious. No matter who is or isn't praying for you, Christ is interceding before God on your behalf. No matter how weak you feel, he is pouring out the very power and presence of God. That same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead into your life. Where are your sights set? Where's your focus? What's filling your mind? Where's your attention? Do you notice, as we talk about brand new, okay? As we talk about brand new, and I say, right, what New Year's resolutions have you got? You're going to talk about, my guess is, because I would do this as well, we think about all the the new things we'll do, all the things we want to stop doing. But do you notice Paul doesn't start there? He doesn't say, do this, don't do this. He says, let me talk to you first and foremost about your mind. Let me talk to you about your focus. Let me talk to you about your thought life. Let me talk to you about what's going on in your brain. I think ultimately because what what we focus on, what we pay attention to, what we fill our minds to, ultimately affects where our hearts go and where our behavior goes. So if you really want to live brand new, you have to understand that God has given you the opportunity for a brand new perspective. So where are you setting your sights today? What, What are you filling your mind with today. If you were to look through the history of of your internet usage, what would it show that you're focusing on? How are you spending your time? What are you reading? What are you watching? What, What do your New Year's resolutions say about what you are striving for? In Christ, God has given you a brand new perspective. Let us begin by filling our minds, thinking about these things. And inevitably, brand new perspective leads to brand new practice. Verse 5, put to death therefore whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. But of these, the wrath of God is come because of the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves, rid yourselves of all such things as these anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. Paul, in in his Roman prison cell, writes these two letters, one to Colossians and one to the the believers in Ephesus. And and in both letters, we find sin lists. We find these habits and these attitudes, these things that we're meant to get rid of. But there's some distinctions between them. In in, in Ephesians, and between Ephesians and Colossians, we find that the lists are slightly different. 
And, and, and so what it shows us is this list isn't exhaustive. This isn't all the bad stuff you can do. This is just what he's writing to this church about. So if you don't see the thing that God's challenging you on in this list right now, you're not off the hook. That's basically what we're saying. I'm just going to focus on Colossians because the thing I'm actually guilty of is in Ephesians. Love of Colossians. It's not that. But also, in, in Ephesians, what you find is, Paul says things like, hey, don't steal, but actually work doing something useful with your hands that you may have something to share with those in need. And so, and so what Paul does in Ephesians is he goes, don't do this, instead do this. Don't do this. Instead, how about this? He gives alternatives. He doesn't do that in Colossians. Which makes me wonder, and we do get to that later in the series, but it makes me wonder in this passage, well, what is Paul doing then? Are we just getting rid and not trying to do something good instead? No, I think it's the fact that he's not so interested in the activities and the attitudes and the habits here so much as he is to do with our attitude towards sin as a whole. Read again verse 5. Put to death, therefore. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to the earthly nature. Don't ponder it. Don't wonder, is this doubtful or isn't it? Kill it. Put it to death. And and just in case we miss the point, and this is why I think it's the focus here, another reason I think it's Paul's focus, Paul's agenda here, because then when you go down to verse, um, I should have written this down. (laughs) He says, get rid of. He, do, he doesn't just say, kill it. He then re-emphasizes the point, I've just killed it. Do I really need to rid myself of it? Kill it. Rid yourselves of it. Do away with it. You know, this time of year I find quite stressful. I don't know about you. Uh, we have three girls and um, I don't really understand girls, I'll be honest. And their bedrooms are full of lip balm and lip gloss and hair things and necklaces, and Barbies with clothes that are very small, and then there's even smaller dolls with smaller clothes, and then even smaller, like, Polly Pocket. Who wants to put a doll in their pocket with even, like, to the tiniest, teeniest, tiniest clothes, and Salvanian families with the, like, just, like, cutlery for Salvanian families. This stuff's, like, a centimeter long. It's like a vacuum killer. And, and, and the thing is, our families and friends are so generous and our girls get all these lovely things at Christmas and I think, where's he going to go? I'm already stressed at the prospect of having to participate in any way in cleaning their rooms. I, I this week helped Izzy, Jenny helped in the far more difficult room that belongs to Gracie and Jess. So many teeny tiny things, it's just so stressful. But if new things are going to come in, then some of the old stuff has got to move out. You've got to have a clear out of the things you no longer... I mean, the children can hold on to the tiniest scrap of paper like it's a piece of gold. Like what? Honestly. And so what has to happen is you have to have a clear out to make space for the new. And it makes me wonder how many of us know that God is wanting to pour in incredible gifts into your life and good things and great attributes and you are too busy holding on to the tiny scrap of paper and all the things that you no longer really play with, you know, of your life. And it's time to have a bit of a clear out. It's time to get rid of some of these things. It's time to put to death some of these habits that you've clung on to for far too long. The the other day I had a clear out in the garage. 
And Jenny was out at the time and she came home and I waited in the garage as the garage door goes up just so that she could join me in the euphoria of a clear space. Look, Jenny, we can just walk through here if we want and back again. Do you know the joy of a good clear out? You know, I've been here five and a half years now, and there's some words that I've adopted in Kiwi vernacular. Plunger, for example. In England, we call it the cafetiere. That's way too tricky. And so I love the idea of a plunger. It's just a satisfying word. The other word that I really love in in Kiwi is to biff. Let's have the word biff. Should we keep this? Nah, biff it. It's so satisfying. It's a word that just joins so beautifully with what you're actually doing, with the satisfaction of just filling your car with all this rubbish and clutter and taking it to the tip and just biffing it. I think you'll have a good biff it. It's such a satisfying word. And I just wonder today whether God says, time to biff it. Time to experience the satisfaction of getting rid of the clutter, getting rid of the rubbish, that weighing you down and holding you back and oppressing you and depressing you and biff it. And walk out of here with that wonderful, joyous, cathartic feeling of having a wonderful clear out. Are there things in that list, things that God is challenging on you uh, that you want to just leave behind in 2017 and never go back to again? I think that this is the focus of this passage because Paul gives us three really clear reasons why we need to biff things, why we need to get rid of, why we need to throw off these things. The first one is in verse 4, when Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. One day you and I, whether we believe in him or not, are going to stand before Jesus in all of the brightness and in all of the volume and in all of the magnitude and majesty that it is to stand before Jesus. And I think that there's going to be a whole bunch of things that I held dear in this life that are suddenly going to seem incredibly irrelevant. And so it leads me to ask the question, is the thing that you're holding on to and refusing to let go something that when Jesus appears, you're willing to stand before him and be proud of? Because if it's not, it needs biffing. It needs to go. Put it to death. Get rid of it. In verse 6, Paul says, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. Sin is serious. Sin is destructive. Sin always leads to death. Always, always, always. If you believe in Jesus and you're not going to be punished for your sin, it's because Jesus was punished on your behalf. And if you don't believe in Jesus, that wrath is still coming upon you. Sin is serious. Sin is destructive. And I think in the church, one of the challenges is to be so grateful and to worship God with everything we are for forgiveness and grace and mercy, but never to become so complacent with it that we invite sinful attitudes and habits into our lives. Why? Because sin will still ruin relationships. But I'm forgiven. Yep. But immorality will still wreck your marriage. It will still pull your family apart. Lying will still deceive people. So biff it. If, 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 as you look at the cross, I, sometimes in movies, sometimes in, in if anybody's watched AD on, on, on Netflix, it shows crucifixion. I can barely watch it. It's the most brutal, most appalling thing. 
But in that image of Christ on the cross, we see the weight of humanity's sin. And it is destructive in your life. Do not harbor it. Get rid of it. Kill it. Biff it. Is there stuff that you need to get rid of? Verse 10 gives us a third reason. And you have put on the... Sorry, do not lie to each other since you have taken off, verse 9, the old self with its practices and have put on the new self. Here Paul introduces us to this metaphor around clothing. He's like, those things used to be your style. Anger used to look okay on you. Immorality was fine on you. Lying was just part and parcel of life. It was what you looked like. It was what you did. But now you believe in Jesus. Those things, that old self has been taken off. You've got a brand new self. Those things don't fit anymore. I don't really wear suits too often anymore, but I used to wear them every day. I have this lovely blue suit made to measure. As yellow lining, because it's one of the colours of my favourite rugby team in the UK. And actually in New Zealand, so that's awesome. It's a hurricane down in Northampton Saints inside, business on the outside. And I don't really wear it too frequently anymore, only really for weddings. And I pulled it out the other day and the phone from 2010 immediately rang and said, we want your suit back. The lapels are wide, the trousers are so wide, half of my shoe disappeared at the bottom. And I think, this used to be the style. This used to look good. It no longer looks good. Because stars have changed. Well, how much more when the old nature has been put to death and you've been given brand new life? Those things used to suit you, but they don't anymore. They no longer fit than if you turned up to work on Lampton Key in a Tudor outfit. It's just wrong. It just doesn't look good on you. It's not your style anymore. Take off the old. Trying to make a serious point. Put on the new. I'm hoping that in these images something lands. Something lands that you might enjoy the cathartic feeling of a spiritual trip to the tip. It's time to biff it, Tim. It's time to leave it in this year and head into the new year with a brand new perspective and brand new practices. Verse 10 and 11, we discover not only do we have those two things, but we have brand new prospects. Look at this, verse 10, and have put on the new self which is being renewed in the image, uh, in knowledge, in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. Okay, Gentiles and Jews, national differences. Circumcised and uncircumcised, religious differences. Barbarians, they were people who spoke foreign languages. Scythians were even wilder culturally than that. They came from the sort of backwater of what is current uh, Russia. And so these are cultural differences. Slaves and free people, they are societal differences. There is a full spectrum of differences, national, religious Um, cultural and social and every single one of them though they still exist when you believe in Jesus your greatest identifier is now that Christ is in you Christ is the one who identifies you most accurately and most powerfully and he is at work in your life making you more and more like God. Look, you're being renewed, you're being matured, you're growing up in the knowledge, in the image of your creator, being restored to the person that you're always created to be in Christ. 
you have the potential to be. It means there's no second-class citizens. It means it's not on you. It means you're not trying to do this work in you. It is the power of God in and through you that has begun this work of making you more and more like God every single day until the job's done. You have been made brand new in Jesus Christ. God is at work in your life making you more and more like Him until the work is done. So what is our approach to that? We lean into it. We lean into it by looking to the things that are above instead of the things that are of our old nature. We biff the old practices and we leave them behind and we head into the new. So where are our sights today? What's filling our minds today? What needs to go today? Would you join me in a moment of prayer? Just respond as you need to to what it is that we have looked at. God has made you brand new or if you haven't yet believed in Jesus you have the opportunity before you to become brand new by saying to God right now I believe what's your response maybe you want to bow your head close your eyes do whatever but let's take a moment before God say God what's the challenge today what needs to change today Where are your sights? What are you striving for? What needs to go? God, we thank you so much that this is a come-as-you-are moment. There's not one thing about us that you don't know. There's not one compartment that is secret to you. There's not one place in the universe and beyond that we could hide from you. You know all things. And so, God, we acknowledge these things before you. And we say, God, help us. Thank you that you're, you're at work in our lives powerfully. Lead us from here, we pray. Lead us from here, we pray. Help us to live up to the brand new self that you've given us. Just real briefly, in this moment, if you have never believed in Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. You're saying, Simon, I, I don't just have wrong stuff. My, I still have that old nature. I still have that default of rebellion before God. I don't like it. I don't want it anymore. That needs to go right now. And What do I do? I say, believe in Jesus and follow him. That's it. Believe that he died for you. That he was raised to life on the third day again. And that if you believe in him, he will remove that old nature. He will forgive you. He will give you this brand new life and pour out his spirit into you to help you live from this day forward brand new. Becoming more and more like him and until ultimately that is complete when he returns. And so if that's you, pray right now. God, thank you for your great love. I'm sorry. I acknowledge my sin before you. Thank you for dying for me, Jesus. I believe that you're raised to life again, that you're seated at the right hand of the Father in absolute supremacy. I believe that, Jesus Christ, you are Lord. Help me from this moment to follow you in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you prayed that this morning? Nudge the person next to you. Say, that was me. Come find one another. Afterwards, we would love to pray with you, talk with you, answer any questions you have.
about that. Right now, church, we stand. In a few moments, we're going to have communion together. But we want to worship. And you might want to allow the words of these songs to minister with where you're at right now. And not sing, just ponder. You might want to stay in a place of prayer. You might stand in awe of all that God has done for you. And use these moments to adore Him more than more in worship. Let's do that right now.